Mass Effect, a sci-fi RPG about a human commander named Shepard attempting to thwart the plans of evil machines intent on wiping out all organic life in the galaxy. Can our hosts pilot a story so full of lore, aliens, and love interests? Find out on this episode of Game Reel. Welcome to Game Reel. I am your host, Cassidy Easton, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Annika Gatormson. Sorry, I haven't said your name in a while. <laughs> um, and we are joined by a wonderful guest, close friend of mine, Christina Mistelovich. How do I say your last name? I should yeah. have asked you how to <laughs> say this before. No, you nailed it. Fucking got it, Mistelovich. We got it, babes. Hell Yeah. Um, and this is a show where three to four college grads, you know, talk about our favorite video games and try to write movies about them. And today, we've got a hell of a game. Yeah, we're talking about Mass Effect. The first Mass Effect came out in 2007. It was, I believe, originally just for Xbox, maybe PC. Uh, it is about, it is a Bioware game. It is a sci-fi sort of space opera about this like it's about like humanity has been introduced into this giant uh galactic council and they are trying to like become the new runner-up like species to be the best and you know they're really excited about that but while that's happening a like cia agent a galactic cia agent named saren is trying to reintroduce this like ancient uh ancient race of machines called the specters to wipe out the universe and it's up to you who played this character named commander shepherd and your crew to stop him before we get into any more of that uh what is y'all's experience with this game yeah so i mean i've played through all uh three of the installments of the mass effect series including andromeda which i played for about five minutes before promptly Good. dunking in a trash can <laughs> Um, yep. yeah, I love it. I could not, for the life of me, tell you, like, even though I played these a couple years ago, replayed them, could not, mm -hmm. for all the money in the world, tell you what the fuck the main plot is. Do not give a fuck. <laughs> Do not, like, space squid who, who give a shit. I'm only here to fuck mm -hmm. aliens. That's all, like, that's it. Which is yep. why one is not my favorite, because slim picking. Slim pickings, indeed. Uh, Annika? Um, so... I didn't have an Xbox growing up, so I never played this. Um, I've watched Let's Plays of it, and I've now read the entire wiki cover to cover. So that's, <laughs> that's been my experience with the game. Uh, yeah, I played when I was like a teenager. I played the first and second one all the way through, mm -hmm. um, losing many of my alien companions along the way. I started playing the third one, and then I never finished it. And, like, just recently, I replayed 1 and 2 from, like, the Legendary Edition that came out, like, not too long ago. And this time, all my alien friends survived. Major accomplishments here. I've only lost shitty human women. 
Um, Wait, who did you lost Miranda? Who else did you lose? I lost Miranda. That's it. I lost um, Ashley and Miranda. Oh, that's fine. I fucking yeah. game one. I was no, like, how do I kill this bitch immediately? Yeah. So we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, so of Mass Effect one, we'll just stick to that one because there's way more characters in two and three. Of Mass Effect one, who are your? Who is your guys' favorite character? Rex. I mean, Garrus is like the obvious because mm-hmm. he's yeah. like you're bro through all of it but i feel like it's rex because you don't you don't mean any of the like my actual faves until like two and three so yeah definitely yeah. him fucking distraught when he uh, are we doing spoilers I don't, is this am i this to... game is yeah so, uh, so spoilers is okay like 13 years old yeah 14 uh, yeah. years we old. always do spoilers when, when i actually yeah. had to shoot him <laughs> in the face i was just like uh-huh it was like when I realized how much I liked Rex because I was like, I'm going to put mm-hmm. you in the soup. Get away from him. <laughs> yeah. When I first played Mass Effect when I was like 14, mm-hmm. um, I also really liked Rex. Although Garrus would be my favorite just because I love just Turian design in general. But I really liked Rex. And at the time, I didn't know I was supposed to be like saving up my Paragon points to like talk Rex down. So when Rex, like, gets angry on uh, uh, Vermeer because he learns that, you know, there's a cure for the genetic disease that was, like, put on his entire people that makes them effectively infertile, like, when he realizes there's a cure in there, he, like, pulls a gun on you. He's like, hey, I know you guys want to destroy this place, but we can't. And so you have to, like, talk him down. When I first played this game, fucking Ashley came up, rolled up, and was like, the girl has got a gun, and shoots him. Dude, and I he know. He kills him. And when, I was like so distraught. I was like, dude, I was talking to him. When I, and then the game expects me to like play like I care about her. And I was like, no, you're staying behind to set off this nuke while we get the fuck out of here. The first God, time we talked so about much. Mass Effect, I mm-hmm. literally remember this conversation because you were just like, yeah, I was really sad that Rex dies at one. And I was like, yeah, if you're bad at the fucking game. <laughs> it turns, <laughs> turns out I just didn't pay attention. <laughs> Because you can totally save Rex. I did save him in the latest playthrough and still killed Ashley because yeah, I oh. remember that shit. Uh, the, the first minute, I think there's a there's a part in the beginning, right, where it's like you can choose Caden or Ashley, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, I was yeah. I was so distraught during that pick because I like I literally paused my game and went to a wiki and I was like, can I kill them both? Like, can I just, you know, like, space, you know, can I not have them on my fucking ship? I hate we have looking. no humans on the crew, please. Literally, yes, I was like, I hate looking at Caden's stupid fucking face. I hate that yeah. he follows you through the series. Yeah. As someone who's <laughs> only read the wiki, can y'all explain to me why Ashley is so bad? She's, she's racist. racist. Yeah, oh. she's like all lives matter kind of energy. Mm-hmm. She's like, she, like literally, she's been quoted as saying, "Is like I can't tell the difference between aliens and animals," and it's just like, <laughs> oh, oh my god, she's like <laughs> openly like offensive about aliens. Yeah, I'm just like, well, dude, what the it, fuck? I mean, and that that's sort of in fairness, like that is a little bit of what the game establishes throughout mm-hmm. all of it yeah. is that. Uh, it, it's kind Trains of if all, humans don't like each other. Well, not even mm-hmm. that. It's just like the, the humans mm-hmm. kind of suck ass a little bit. Yeah. Like it's like you guys aren't even the dominant species, and you're still like out here acting like you are. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, um, yeah. All the aliens and the counselors, like, oh man, humanity is like c- close to becoming on the council, but we really don't want them there. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, weirdly yeah. enough, I saw there was like a recent, I forget who it was, it was like Polygon or something. They did a, mm-hmm. a ranking of all the companions. And like, actually, he's actually moderately beloved, like in terms of the companions and stuff. And I was like, where the fuck is this coming from? Who? Who is, who is beloving? <laughs> Weird. Uh, Annika, do you have a favorite character? Based off of vibes and character design alone, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Matriarch Benazia. Oh, shit. I think from what I can see, she seems really cool and also kind of... Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Is she kind of evil? She Does kind she... of is evil. I'm like, I'll let you know when I'm done Googling who the fuck that is. <laughs> she's... So I recently played the game, yeah, so yeah. don't even worry. I remember her. She's... Um, oh! Yeah. She's a... Uh, she's Saren's, like, sort of uh, right-hand... Right-hand companion. She's mm-hmm. uh, an Asari. Liara's she's mom. The, Liara's yeah, mom. mom. Yeah, she's like super oh. psychically powerful, um, and like being on the ship, which is later revealed to be a Reaper. Yeah, like kind of made her evil. Mm. So she was like sort of not evil, and then she joined Saren, and the ship made her evil. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just put yeah, it when I was writing my favorite characters. I wrote. Matriarch Benazia because I love when women are evil in media. <laughs> She's really Simple. cool. Her her the mission where you fight her is like is really uh it's really interesting. Does it yeah. give you a choice to not kill her? I feel like no. it do- oh well. No, I think well, Li- well maybe I don't know. I know Liara is like gung ho about killing her mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't give a shit. She's like fuck this lady. Yeah, my favorite part about this game is, like, it just in general is just all of the aliens and all of the yes. world building about them. It's just, like, so unique and cool. The yeah. Turians, the Krogans, the Salarians, even though they kind of did a genocide. <laughs> and I guess the Turians did, too. But, mm-hmm. see... Did, uh, we'll get to that in Mass Effect 2. Yeah, we'll get I to that thoughts. in Mass Effect 2. It, I have it's, thoughts on that. Morden's whole, Morden's whole story arc with that is very interesting. Do we want to get into pitches? Are we yeah. ready for that? Yeah. All right, who wants to go first? Absolutely not. I'll, I'll go first. Cassidy, I've got you go two. first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Lone CSEC officer Garrus Vicarian finds himself embroiled in a mystery that gets stranger and stranger by the minute. He must work hard against the clock and the toil of bureaucracy in order to expose this horror in the Citadel. So this movie would just be a Garrus story. And it would be his story from his like main quest from the first game. Which you only really hear about the story through like a conversation with him in like a very generic little shooting mission in a tiny ship. But the story is about a crooked doctor named Dr. Salion, who like was selling organs on the black market in the Citadel. And the way he was harvesting these organs was he was cloning them and growing them in the people. <laughs> so these people would be growing extra organs, and then he would be like harvesting them. Um, and so Garrus like looked into this. CSEC stands for Citadel Security. So he's basically a cop, but Garrus is cooler than your average cop because he eventually leaves the CSEC because he doesn't like how they operate and they don't serve justice and they let Dr. Salion get away and also Saren. So he quits being a cop and just becomes a hero instead. And so that's my first pitch. 
My second pitch is just a sci-fi action thriller. A ragtag group of aliens is faced with impossible odds as a rogue specter agent named Saren attempts to summon an ancient threat to all life in the galaxy. So this one is just the main plot of Mass Effect 1 minus Shepard, minus Caden, minus Ashley. It's just the aliens and it's just them trying to stop Saren and stop Sovereign. And that's that's the pitch. The, mostly what we'd be doing here is we'd be reworking the story and trying to write in how these aliens instead uh, get together and fight this battle without, like, the U.S. military helping them. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's basically what happens in the first game is, like, yeah. the U.S. military stops everything and recruits these aliens. But what if the aliens worked together instead? This is basically just like you're. What you're doing is you're taking every single like sci-fi or fantasy adaptation yeah. that is really good, except mm-hmm. for the moment where you introduce humans and you're going, yeah, we're just gonna take the humans away. Exactly. <laughs> this, I feel like I talk about this all the time. I feel like I think of there are so many movies that like have cool aliens or monsters, yep. and they're like really compelling characters, yep. and then they have boring humans. Are you mean Warcraft? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think the Warcraft movie this was better example. if it was just about orcs. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I talk about this all the time. I agree. The humans were genuinely. Um, anyway, those are my pitches. I can go. I can give you. I can give you a lowdown. Go. Go. Um, so, so my main one was essentially because because Kathy was like, "Well, we're doing one," and I was just like, "Well, I can't talk about how much I want to fuck Dane." Um, here's the runner-up. Mine's about Saren, and my my basic um, pitch for it is it's like a lot of the same main plot that I didn't really give a shit about, but it's from Saren's perspective, mm-hmm. um, and it gives you context to why he is the way that he is. Because in in Mass Effect One, if I remember correctly, you get a lot of info on him through the game, and it essentially is just like, well, this guy's bad, and it's just like oh, his whole principle is, like, he has the principles never kill anyone without a good reason, and you can always find a good reason to kill someone, and that is basically, like, all you yeah. get in terms of his motivations, and it's just, like, I want to know more. Um, you can convince him to be good at the very end. You can. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, and then he shoots himself. He does, and I'm just like, well, that's fascinating. Why don't Why don't we learn more about that? But then that? he comes back as a robot zombie anyway, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter at all. Um, but I basically what I wanted to do was introduce... Like, f- like, who give a shit? Like, you basically, you're like, you are made to be thwarted. Like, a, a movie mm-hmm. where you are watching this dude, and you're just like, I don't know if I really want him to win, and by the end of it, you're like, I definitely don't want him to win. He's evil yeah. shit. Um, but in, in stuff like uh, the com- the comics, yeah. like Mass Effect Evolution, for example, it talks about um, the first contact war and how, like, he enlisted when he was, like, 15 or something. Like, this dude was a yeah. child soldier. And I'm like, wow, where the fuck was that in the game? Sympathy for this guy. Um, and, like, he was completely kind of normal and, like, not evil until, like, I think humans killed his brother. And then he was just like, hey, maybe humanity suck ass. Um, <laughs> and then he he had, like, dealings with uh, the elusive man who he knew previously mm-hmm. and all that shit. Yep. And I'm just like, put this shit in a movie. Put that in a movie. I'd yeah. like to know about that. I'd like to know less about Kate Malenko. And I'd like to know more about his sad little brother story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's I, it. 
I think the most they ever touch on like Turians having child soldiers is like a little a little throwaway line of lore about like oh all Turians enlist in the military when yeah. they're like fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> fucked up, fucked up. Cause true. And it's like How? whoa. Yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like also the youngest Specter. I want to say so. Like I think he was like oh probably he was like barely legal when he was mm-hmm. he was a Specter. So I'm just like, hey, how about a movie examining the emotional impact of all this shit happening to you and how that, be- like, leads- yeah, mm-hmm. like, like how that leads to your downfall as a character as opposed to like, here's this mm-hmm. bad guy Birdman. Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it would um, be exploring what turns him, what turns him evil or what makes him bad. I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. I imagine a lot of it would be like why is he the way that he is and then mm-hmm. we dive into all the sh- like the shit that he's doing in mass effect one from his mm-hmm. point of view and like how he's justifying it because yeah, he, it, he oh. makes some salient points up until he's kind of like a nazi you know yeah like right well, before it's, that it's, and you could definitely explore like the process of the reaper like twisting his mind because yeah. like the whole thing about reapers is like even being like near them and inside yes. them like warps you and turns you like all weird and yeah. they like yeah. just kind of exert their influence over you well that's the thing is like he was like only moderately evil prior to the reaper shit like he was just kind of who's just a little racist you just yeah. didn't like humans <laughs> which is like fine i don't either bro like join the club what up <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but yeah i feel like that would be much more interesting than you know whatever mm-hmm. milk toast white boy shit we're gonna get uh annika what do you got for us okay so what I have is a prequel to the events of the first game that attempt to explore the extinction of the Protheans 50,000 years ago, explores their decision to sacrifice themselves to the Reapers and what they chose to leave behind. This bends the lore a little bit, but I had an idea that maybe the Reapers forced a mass extinction event onto the Protheans um, by using their indoctrination method to force the acceleration of something like global warming on their home planet of Protheamon, maybe by sparking a mass production of weapons and inciting huge amounts of fear within the population, which would, you know, cause a ripple effect, depleting resources, causing chaos, and eventually forcing them into extinction. Maybe told from the perspective of a, of a commander who, like, comes to term with his role in the exploitation of his home planet. Maybe the commander was indoctrinated early on and then somehow breaks out of it and then has to like come to terms with watching his people slowly destroy themselves um and i guess i'm not clear whether or not we would like as an audience understand that the reapers are behind this like early on or maybe somewhat later into the story i don't know what would work better um but yeah, that's kind of my pitch is like a prequel movie. I feel like you're kind of on the right track. Is that yeah, not what that happens? Is, that is kind of what they do. Yeah. The Reapers. They just like, kind of, uh, they trick everyone into advancing super far with their technology by like using the Mass Effect relays and mm-hmm. like giving them the Citadel. And then they're like, ha ha, we fooled you. The Citadel is a Mass Effect relay for us. And they all just swarm in there and destroy everything. And mm-hmm. then... I guess well, uh, the only thing, the thing that's different about my pitch is, like, there wouldn't be, like, a full-on war between mm-hmm. the Reapers and the Protheans. It would kind of just be, like, the Reapers are forcing the Protheans to destroy themselves, which... Yeah. It's pretty sick. Yeah. 
Which we don't know that they didn't do that. I guess, yeah, they never say 100%. Yeah. That would be, like, a really good tie-in because eventually you do, you get a Prothean on your party. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it could literally be from his perspective. He's a, yeah, I, I see Cassidy's face in three. Oh, you, in three? I, I was believe, like, there's a Prothean? Yes. So, in three, you, like, go it's to like, one of the bug men? Kinda-ish. Like, I think he, he might be a DLC character, if I remember correctly. Huh. Uh, but okay. his name is Javik. And you, like, find him in a tomb or whatever, and he wakes up, and it's very much just, like, a... I time traveled. What the fuck's going on? Kind of deal. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> Literally, yeah. And it's just like you like you start to talk to him, and you see like um, his powers, and you see where like all of the the sort of omni tool powers, and like how that mm-hmm. all is connected to to what he can do. And it's pretty sick. I'm like, honestly, I wouldn't mind I his don't... perspective because if I remember him ruling, hmm. unless he's racist, in which case I take that back. You suck ass. I, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> The coolest yeah. character that I I know of is Legion, and that's just because Legion the Gath, fucking rules, bro. The Gath are just re- really cool, and as like a concept as well, just like a accidental mm. species. They were like <laughs> the Corians accidentally made AI, and then the AI took over their planet, and they're like, ah, no, oh <laughs> shit, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> whoops, all wires. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> um. Okay. So what what are we what are we drawn to here? What do we what do we think is what do we think is our 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 best course of action here? I don't know, man. I mean, I'm just like I'm just entranced by this this Javik uh, wiki at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like I remember him so fondly. Really, what I'm saying is, I just want to bang a lot of the aliens in this in this games. And Um, that's that's how they're a lot of them are designed. Monster fucker solidarity. Yeah, I'm a freak for this one, but like, (laughs) you know, and also it should be pointed out: Mass Effect, in terms of the Mass Effect One, in terms of dating, Mm. you have very slim pickings. You can either, if you are a male shepherd, you can you can either sleep with Liara. Or Caden, or not Caden. Caden, no, that'd be awesome. I I think you can't be. (laughs) No, you can either sleep with Liara or Ashley. Wait, you can't. You can't bang Tali. No, that's in Mass Effect Two. Is she in one? Yeah, she's in one. Oh. Yeah, no, it's it's either Liara or Ashley. And if you play Femshep, you can either bang Liara or Caden. You can't bang Garrus. No. You can only sleep with the most humanoid-looking aliens. God, this, in, is, this is this is literally in why I M1. don't like one. Fuck yes. that! I don't care. I also you don't... can sleep with Liara because tech, like the whole lore with that is like technically Asari are like monogendered. There are only women, uh, and they like can reproduce with like their brains. They like <laughs> link minds with you, and then they become brain pregnant and make a another asari that's like i hate this part yeah. asari part so weird else. can't they I'm... reproduce with any other species is that what i read no yeah that's yeah. the whole thing about them there's a whole thing about their culture is like they want to be more understanding of other species in the galaxy and they want to be like more empathetic their whole society is based on like empathy and understanding and like learning because they also can live for like a thousand years uh and so yeah that's what they it, there's like a whole stigma thing it's like if an asari has a child with another asari they call them pure bloods and that's like bad oh. they're like they're like anti anti-eugenesis 
Yeah, they, they want to... Uh, and so that's the whole thing with Liara, is, like, she... You can, you can, you can sleep with her as Femshep because she's technically banging with her brain. I hate this. I hate these words. I, this, oh, fucking... See, I never really cared about Liara, <laughs> so I never dug deep, but I, I'd wish to I think unknow... it's a pretty... I think it's a pretty cool concept for an alien. It's just a little weird that they all look like blue women. Yeah, I hate yeah. that. Well, it, I hate that that's the explanation of why you can bang a woman. It's like, because well, you're having brain sex, not, like, mouse sex. And it's like, well... Uh, that well, is true. It too. feels very... Mm, uh, it, yeah, it feels like they're yeah. like, we don't no. want to have an option for gay sex, so we're just going to say that she's having sex with, mm-hmm. with her brain. So it's different. It's, well, it's, yeah, it's okay. not gay if you use your brain. <laughs> yeah, well, and to, but to be fair, you still get naked in the cutscene, so it doesn't. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Fuck, I forgot one had cutscene. Okay, yeah, they do. This is um, a, a bit of a deviation, but really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I as you obviously as you progress, the cutscenes get better, which is fine. Uh, mm-hmm. In three, they're decent, whatever. I played a little bit of Andromeda, only to the point where I could romance like the only alien. That like that game like was just like hey what if it's all humans anyway it got it, it went like it went from like a six to like okay this is a video game cutscene to like an eleven like he straight up <laughs> lays your ass on the rocks and he's like eating pussy and I'm like what is happening Whoa. I, it was like so much more suggestive than any of them I don't know if they're That's all like wild. that but his was and I was like I'm turning this game off <laughs> yeah Mass Effect one is from two thousand seven yeah. so you know. yeah we hadn't discovered um, sex yet I understand. <laughs> um i what you know it there is a conversation i overheard in mass effect 2 between these like this like bachelor party that's happening yeah which really is like a really funny and kind of interesting thing about asari that is like a little theory is like there's this there's this uh there's this turian the solarian and a human and they're all like at this bachelor party and there's like this asari who's, like, dressed in, like, stripper clothes, and she's dancing on this table, and they're all talking about her and, like, how alluring she is and, you know, each other and whatever. Um, And then they, like, they all, like, start talking about, like, like the humans, like, yeah, look, she's beautiful. She's, like, yeah. And then the Solarian is, like, yeah, I, I don't understand why you humans think they're so beautiful, though, because they look like blue Solarians. And like, what? No, they look like blue people. And then the Turian speaks up, and he's like, you guys are both wrong. They look like blue Turians. Don't you see the things on their heads? And then they all, like, pause for a minute, and they're like, guys, are you... Are they hypnotizing us to make us think they look beautiful? <laughs> and then the Turian's like, shut up. I want to enjoy this. That's really good. I Yeah, I do remember. That's part of their lore, right? Is that they're, like, universally yeah, thought of as incredibly beautiful. It, but in that, if that's the case, then like, why are there no Asari men? Do game do gay men just not like Asari? Ooh. What do you mean? Maybe that should be our pitch. <laughs> it's like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but it's Asari. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, guys! Blue is the warmest color because they're Asari. Oh my God. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right. Oh, All right. We so need funny. to focus. I want this. I want this episode to be less than two and a half hours long. What? Which pitch do we want to go with? I am partial to Christina's pitch uh, about the history mm-hmm. of Saren. Hell yeah! I think that would be really fun to explore, like what specifically drives him and like makes him tick. I feel like he he's a he's a villain in the way that Megamind is a villain. 
where yeah. you're just like, <laughs> whoa, okay. Or it's just yeah. like, like you can't help but feel for him, even though he's doing some bad shit. You know, I don't know. I haven't seen Mike in a while, man. I, I, the only to thing be fair, is like, have I. <laughs> I really struggle with like watching movies where I don't like the main character, and I there's a lot of them mm-hmm. that are you know, yeah, you're. You're not supposed to like the main character, but then I'm like, well, then I have no interest. You're jokers. Yeah, I'm like, I have, <laughs> I have no interest in like hearing your side of things. Mm-hmm. So, but if we could like actually make yeah. him feel sympathetic, then mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that would be an yeah. interesting thing to try to explore. I agree with that. It could, yeah. Yeah. The only like reservation I had about that was like, well, a lot of the source content like of his backstory does come from comics and stuff, but I'm completely willing to ignore that shit. But like, we can. This is our show. We do yeah. what we want. Hell yeah. But have you? And what I want is to stop reading this wiki. <laughs> have you? You've read the comics though, right? So you could give us like yeah. somewhat of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like it's. I got you. Yeah, I feel like as long was... as you can like fill in some of the the holes that we're gonna have when we do this yeah i'm sure i'm down i'm down for that well because it's just like realistically you can just sum it up it's just Mm. like death of his brother makes him hate humanity that's kind of what it is and then it's like the stuff with uh jack harper or whatever is kind of like this is superfluous like we cut the shit out because i don't know what i don't remember him in the games either i think i think the, the the million dollar question is where do we start with Saren's story? Because if we start when we meet him in Mass Effect 1, he's no. already evil. He already has nah. Sovereign on his side. He's already working with the Geth. He's got all those weird implants in his body. So, so he, he has a Geth so, arm. Let's, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was going to say something stupid anyway. <laughs> no, I'd let's love to hear it. start I, from the beginning. Favorite. There's a 20 minute uh, one shot of his, his birth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like now we're not so sure if Turians give live birth oh. or lay eggs. They look like they lay. Okay, eggs. They, they're they're based on oh, birds. So we I should so. have him hatch out they're of an like egg. Avian. I hate. Okay. Them. No, God, okay. no, that's gonna look like <laughs> dinosaurs. No. I want to see it though. No. Uh huh. Okay, um. so <laughs> what were you gonna say, Christina? <laughs> No, I wasn't gonna say. Well, I was originally gonna say it was like it can be like that shot from Fallout Three where you're like looking up, like as the you're you're Saren as a baby and you're looking up at the doctor delivering. No. Yes. Stop. Yes. No. Fuck no. Yes. No. That's no. how we're starting it. I don't know. What to tell no, that you. is that is the most universally reviled opening of a piece of media That's I've ever seen. So funny. It's like. That Dog was the shit. one moment that Todd Coward was not a coward. <laughs> In the worst way possible. It's like In maybe the worst you way. Maybe you should have been a coward, bro, like just this once. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So where but where do we start? Do we start with his like military service and like seeing his brother die? Or do we start with with like his start in the Reapers where he's more of like still probably more of a good person who's trying to do good things as a Reaper? I, mean, I, I think, think we should two... go that far back. I think we should. Yes. I think we should start there. Yeah, I agree because I feel like there there's some mindable, empathetic content mm-hmm. when you're talking about he was fucking 15 when he joined, and like yeah. he was then the youngest Spectre to ever join. But it's like it, it's really a matter of like, well, do you want to start there or do you want to flash back and forth between this shit? Oh um, yeah, well, but I think oh. flashbacks actually 
Yeah. Oh, I had an idea. We should. What's up? We we should open like on like. Maybe we should open on a choice that he makes in the Mass Effect 1 game that is, like, very reprehensible and bad. So we kind of, like, you know, establish from the beginning that this is a bad person, and then we can jump back to, like, do a flashback of when he initially Mm -hmm. joined the Reapers. So it's like we're establishing from the beginning that we are working with the canon of the first movie. Not the first movie. The first game. Mm -hmm. And then trying to give like trying to show what led him there interesting so not a counterpoint but like sort of sort of in the same vein Mm -hmm. um because i if i remember correctly it's like his whole thing with when he was a specter was that he was known to be super brutal Mm -hmm. but it's just Mm -hmm. like he got shit done so it's like what if instead of introducing him as someone who's inherently evil it's just like you hint at like well the shit that he could be doing could be amounting to something bad mm. um but then like at, like you're getting context of shit he did before and like was praised for so you're like well i don't know if like he's actually evil or if he's just mm-hmm. like ruthless and then it's just like you eventually get to a point where you're like oh no no no, okay this guy this guy's clearly got some shit what if the first thing like first truly evil thing he does is shoot nihilus oh fuck because that's the first thing you ever see him do in the first game that's what the first time you see him yeah. The first game, you start mm-hmm. out, and you, like, are with a, a Turian specter named Nihilus, yep. who's, like, he's got, like, dark scales and, like, white yeah. war paint and black armor, and it's, like, his Fucking name is Nihilus, badass. and we're all, like, oh, is this guy, like, supposed to be a villain? But it's, like, no, he's just a dude, and then he goes on this mission with you, and he's, like, off on his own, and then Saren shows up, and he's, like, oh, hey, Saren. Uh, weird thing you here isn't it weird that all this geth are here and then he's like yeah it is weird and then nihilus turns around and saren just like pulls out a gun and shoots him in the back of the head fuck Ooh, yeah we should start we should start with that that's the first thing you ever see we should start with that yeah 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 and then like from there instead of because it's like you see that as shepherd it's just Mm. like so you see so it's like if you start on on saren like watching uh, Nihilus roll up with Shepard and he like finally comes there and it's like it's that decision from Saren's perspective where he decides to shoot him and then you see like he goes off and it's the shit you don't see him do when you're playing a Shepard mm-hmm. like yeah. before you see him next oh so that's where we're starting the move we're not gonna like flash back to I mean, we, I would, his, I would assume his military we're, service well it, we're interspersing yeah, yeah. We, I, we, we can intersperse like depending on what he's gonna do from there or like when he's deciding whether or not to shoot Nihilus you could start flashing well, so back into that was something service. that was something I was going to bring up was I think that it's it's harder to make your character seem more sympathetic if you are starting out in the bad part of their timeline where they're a bad person and then flashing back to when they're a good person and we're like it's kind of just being like oh but they used to be a good person oh. I think it's more effective if you start when they're good and then mm. go until they're bad I think it would it's a strong opening for sure mm-hmm. and it doesn't even it doesn't even have to be like the end of the movie either cuz I think the end of the movie should be some kind of big decision he makes about to how kill he's going to yeah, yeah like yeah. like where he he like he's talked down in the end or even not even talked down just like he realizes that he's no longer in control of his own mind yep that's um, oh, because love it. sovereign 
Um, we also, if like if we are including him shooting Nihilus, you could easily write in that Nihilus served with him because that is that feels feasible. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, they're both they, specters. Yeah, they could have been fucking friends, bro. Like mm-hmm. and, like his flashbacks to service are before he shoots Nihilus are moments he had with Nihilus when he was younger. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, so at that point you're just like, all right, well clearly he's toiling over this decision. Is that where we're starting though? Because like I. I him shooting Nihilus is a huge moment. Yep. And it's either a strong start or it's like a big turning point. Oh, you know what? I actually... Oh, yeah. Cha- I'm changing my mind now, and I feel like him shooting Nihilus should be, like, a midpoint where he... The point of... Where he yeah. then goes into, in like, some kind of identity crisis, and he's like, does this make me a bad person? Does this fundamentally change who I am? Like... I feel Am like, I even control of these actions? I feel like at that point he can have, like, a reckoning within himself of, like, who mm. am I? What do I want? So then, yeah, maybe it shouldn't be the opening. Then again, we could do that thing where it's the opening and then it's also, we also, like, see it later in the film. A later point in the movie. Yeah. yeah it's, like, no context opening. Yeah. He's just, like... Cold open, we see him shoot yeah, someone. Yeah. We don't know what it means. Yeah, I mean, we also could spend, like, the first part of it, like, because it, this isn't the first introduction of Nihilus, is it? Uh, it doesn't have to be in our movie. Right, that's what I'm saying. We like, can if have you... Nihilus be a character in so any you... part of his story, really. Maybe you... maybe he's, like, the first specter he meets. Yeah, or even, like, like if we're opening the movie on something, it could literally just be, like, uh, an otherwise... Um, unremarkable day as uh, like of him being a specter, and it's like he starts to interact with Nihilus, and that's where you're getting the flashbacks to like his the start of his his career mm-hmm. and his friendship with Nihilus. So you're building it up to like they clearly care about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the midpoint of your movie is just like, oh shit, like he shoots Nihilus, then you can start going into like he shoots Nihilus, he starts feeling regret about it because you realize the decision might not have been entirely his own. Yeah. So um, and the whole, then the rest of it is. Yeah. Crazy town. So then what if what if the opening then is I don't know the lore as well. What if the opening mm-hmm. is a moment where it's like a memory of a time when he was working with Nihilus and like Nihilus like saves him from something or like does something where Saris would be like, oh, like, I'm, like, I, like, feel indebted to this person. Like, I owe this person something. And so then when we get mm. to that that moment where he shoots Nihilus, it's, like, it feels like a bigger betrayal. It would be, like, yeah. it would well, mean, like, rewriting the lore a little bit. I what we're doing. Yeah. Honestly, like, in that vein, it's just, like, I do like the idea that, that like, Nihilus did something to make uh, Saren sort of feel special. But, like, what if, what if like, instead of it being, like, oh, this big grand gesture of saving his life, it's something so small as, like, he's the only one who didn't necessarily treat Saren like shit immediately because he was so young. Oh. Like, he's the only one yeah, who actually respected like, him. He's, like, an older specter that's, like, kind of a yeah mentor and friend. The first yeah. friend he's he's and, made in the specters. Yeah. yeah, and that he doesn't necessarily, like... Mm-hmm think of him as this like ruthless monster that he's just like well you know that's part of you but that's not all of you 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that's like, that's where the struggle is. It's like, well, he's constantly just like, that's not all of you, right? Though, right? And then it, like, yeah. shoots him. <laughs> and well, and, and, and that also, like, plays into, like, that's part of you, not all of you. But then yeah. it's like the whole, like, thing about, like, the Reaper taking more of his, like, mind yeah. away, oh, and taking the mind over and, you know, taking control of his thoughts and actions at a certain point. Yeah, it's it's like, like, by the end, he's like, he's how much of himself, me is left? It's still not all of him because it really ain't all of him. Yeah. So we start out with just a a regular old day maybe maybe it's him like reporting to the council because i think reapers have to do that they have to report their missions to the council and maybe they're like being hard on him because he's too like brutal or you know he his missions are too messy they get done but they're like they don't make the council look good oh so you were thinking this is not like a present day thing no i was thinking well yeah i thought we were because we're starting out, we want to we want to start him out as like a good person first, who doesn't have sovereign yet. I think starting earlier is better because I think one of the things one of the things that motivates him to do all this stuff mm-hmm. is humans being like led into the Galactic Council. Oh sure. Because he doesn't like that. He doesn't mm-hmm. like that humans are being let in because they are responsible for like a huge war between the Turians and the humans that his brother died in. So he's like not super happy about that. And so that is like when he discovers Sovereign, that's when he like he sort of like learns all the secrets of Sovereign, aligns himself with the Geth, and then starts going down this path where he loses control of himself. Hells yeah. You, if you wanted to like not frame him as bad immediately, something you could mm. do is the council. Their understanding of the situation was that they're chewing him out because they think he made a mistake. On his uh, way out, yeah. Nihilus catches him and he was like, "I know it wasn't a fucking mistake. I know that was yeah. on purpose because it served the mission mm-hmm. most." Yep. Bro, that ain't all of who you are. Hit us with yeah, that exactly. with that slogan. That's where we're introduced to their friendship. Maybe it's just been a thing for a little while. And then another mission, because Saren's got to, he's got to be busy. Saren has got to be busy as the youngest Spectre. He's got to prove himself, so he's probably always on missions. I mean, what is the, what is the next mission? I mean, at that point, I feel like that introduces, that already introduces your relationship with uh, Saren and the Spectres, how he's treated, like mm-hmm. their rapport, his rapport with Nihilus. Honestly, I feel like at that point, you could go directly from that and flash into present day and be like, he's just at that point, he he's, he's talking to Nihilus and it's just like a, like oh, how before he shoots him. Oh, no, no, no oh, just I like, a, like he's yeah. just at a specter and he's just working with him. And it's just like, you get a sense of how, like their relationship now, like in the present day. And you can still see that they're close, but maybe like there's some indicators mm-hmm. that it's not what it once was. And he's like, not as open with him or something. Can I ask a clarifying question? Um, sure. sure. What is it that specifically leads Saren to shoot Nihilus? Because I'm kind of unclear on it. Uh, it's kind of just like a wrong place, wrong time kind of deal. Yeah, it's literally oh, like okay. they okay. there's a thing on this human colony that he needs for his plan, his mm-hmm. big plan to bring the Reapers in. Yeah. It's a yeah. thing on the human colony. 
Shepard and Nihilus show up there. They see all the bad shit. They see the Geth. They start trying to save people. They start trying to get to the thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the first person that Saren runs into is Nihilus. And he's like, oh, hey, you're here. That's not good. Mm -hmm. And then he shoots him. Yeah. And honestly, their friendship, I think, would make a lot more sense, too. Because looking at his wiki, it's like Nihilus' whole thing was that he was forced into the military when he was 16 and he was always an outcast and like Mm -hmm. the council sort of hated him because Mm -hmm. he would disobey orders to do what he thought was right yeah exactly and saren probably did the same shit yeah except that this guy was like nice and saren was just like what if i just kill a bunch of people because it's easier let's see let's see so yeah like literally it says that his backstory is like kind of literally what we're saying like he was reassigned mm-hmm. to a new squad for the third time after like disobeying mm-hmm. he met Saren, the young specter um within a year of meeting Saren, nihilus became a specter mm-hmm. so he became there a specter yeah. after after Saren. oh um, okay and it yeah oh, okay. it's like yeah so Saren technically mentored him mm-hmm. and like they were together oh. so it's like they did actually connect in that way so it's like yeah damn we made up shit that was already true good for us <laughs> look at us nihilus personally nominated shepherd for candidacy oh that's right yeah Some- which something oh. saren didn't like yeah so it's like honestly you could work in like some sense of betrayal from that he would have become shepherd's mentor had he not died apparently mm-hmm. um and then, yeah, he heads the team on Eden Prime, runs into Saren. Um, yep. He drops his guard and just Saren shoots him back the fucking head. That's mm-hmm. it. Like. Yeah. So I think in that case, that's a big middle point mm-hmm. right there. I think the next big thing that should happen in the story, taking place in like a timeline where both Saren and Nihilus are Shepherd or uh, Shepherd Specters at yeah. this point. Saren is on some kind of mission. And this is where he discovers Sovereign. Yeah. Do we know because how I, how far before uh, Shepard is relevant to the story Sovereign is discovered by Saren? No. I don't think we do. Because the other thing is, like, you don't figure out that Sovereign is a Reaper until, like, way late in the game. Mm. At first, you're just like, oh, Sovereign is his, like, weird, crazy ship that, like, has a will of its own and is, like, w- wicked advanced and makes all the people on board, like serve him uh but then it turns out it's like oh no it's not just that it is a living machine that has a will of its own it's not a ship at all it's a creature creature right so um honestly it's like at that point if we're going from like him getting chewed out to him talking to um nihilus the next thing that could happen is like if he's presently talking to nihilus nihilus could be talking about wanting to um make shepherd a specter and they like get into a sort of spat about it Mm. which i feel like establishes like hey their relationship might like it hints that their relationship might not be the same as it was before well yeah well before we do that we should have a little bit more with them as like friends still oh sure Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i'm down for that um yeah like a like a a series of of sort of like events through his Mm -hmm. his time as a specter of like them having each other's backs Mm -hmm. and maybe even maybe even uh like the mission that he's on where he finally does discover sovereign is the like nihilus is there and just doesn't notice it you know 
Oh, sure. Like, he, that's when, like, it becomes clear that, oh, maybe their relationship is developing in a weird way. Hmm. Like, in yeah. A, yeah, like, yeah. Like, the nature of their friendship is changing. Should, like, he's Should, should he discover Sovereign before or after he hears about Shepard? Um, I would say, okay, so I feel like a good way to do it might be, like, I like your idea where it's, like, they're on a mission together. Mm-hmm. Um, he discovers... Something. Pictured them very much like Anakin Obi Wan type yeah. relationship. Yeah, I like your idea of like he he's on a mission with Nihilus, and it's clear mm-hmm. that he has found something. We don't mm-hmm. necessarily fully know what it is. Um, mm-hmm. We might be able to assume if you played Mass Effect One. And the immediate next cut is like is present day. He's talking to Nihilus. He's arguing with Nihilus about nominating Shepard. He leaves. At that point, we see what he found, and we see what he has found is is sovereign, and like that it's reaper tech like that's mm. the point where we realize like oh that's what it was i like that yeah i just i want it to be more of a, a weighted decision of him deciding to use this stuff because i think oh, at first he maybe doesn't know what it is mm-hmm. and i think sovereign is maybe smart enough to know like well if i try and reach out to this little goody two-shoes specter who still serves the council he might not be down with what I'm selling. Mm. But if, like, this, like, conflict is happening and this, like, disdain for humans is fueling him, maybe now is a chance for me to reach out. Because that's one of the things about Sovereign is, like, he reaches out to people. Or it mm. reaches out to people. Mm-hmm. It, like, can communicate with them. So you're you're suggesting, like, Saren finds the ship and tells Nihilus that he's found it. And then they have an argument over whether or not to use it. No, I don't think he tells Nihilus about it. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't even think he knows what it is because I don't think like. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. he like finds Sovereign itself because that's like a giant like. He. It's like a giant ship. It's huge. Or oh, okay. when okay. he's on a mission with Nihilus, he can hear it call out to him. And he mm. sees, like, an implication of Ooh. something. And then okay. the next few, like, mm. cuts are him coming back. And you mm-hmm. see he's, like, developing more and more of a relationship. And it's going from, like, he's just not telling Nihilus about this. So he's flat out lying to Nihilus about what yeah. he's doing. Until we get to the present day of, like, we see the full scope of what the fuck he's interacting with. And it becomes clear, like, oh, this is Reaper-shaped. It's definitely, like, one of those, like beacon things like they're on this mission they see one of them and they're like they don't really acknowledge it because it's already been discovered and is in like some kind of facility or something yeah but when mm-hmm. Saren passes it it like shows him some shit briefly mm-hmm. and he's yeah. like whoa okay Com- well yeah. compartmentalize that for later and then as he's having more conflict with Nihilus he's like yes okay, it's pull keeps that? getting stronger what yeah. was it what was it trying to tell me and then he goes and he eventually eventually sovereign just reaches out and is like hey this is me yeah yeah and then it's like at the end when we like show that oh he's definitely using this thing it's like i feel like a subtle implication of he it might this shit might be in in his head hard Mm -hmm. um yeah some like you don't need him shit yeah Mm. at first it's like at first it's like uh you know, I can help you put your, the humans in their place, and then it slowly gets to it. Slowly works around to like, oh, I can help you eliminate all human life, and then eventually yeah. it's like, hey, we're gonna eliminate all organic life in the galaxy. 
Mm-hmm. We cool? Yeah. And that's the whole <laughs> Reaper thing. We cool? I feel like just for, like, the sake of, like, adding tension to the story, Nihilus should figure out what's going on, like, I feel like Nihilus should figure out what's going on and attempt to stop Saren, and maybe that leads to Saren's decision to kill him. If it's just, like, he's keeping a secret, like, would mm-hmm. keeping, would just the, the process of keeping a secret lead you to wanting to kill someone? I don't necessarily think so. Mm. So I feel like Nihilus I, should, like, at some point, at, like, figure out what's going on on some level. So one of, like, it's really interesting you bring this up. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I feel like, so Nihilus's whole thing, like, his character thing is, like, despite the fact that he constantly defies the council, mm-hmm. he is always doing, like, he's acting on gut instinct, and he is notorious for always being right. So mm-hmm. you could have a sequence where he suspects that Saren is up to some shit and he suspects Definitely. it and like it's like he finds like minimal evidence but his gut is like no, no no like this is what he's doing but he ignores it because he likes him and then when he's mm-hmm. about to get shot it's like he's not surprised that's the thing it's like he just re- re- like resigns and it's like alright like yeah I kind of I deep yeah. down I knew that you were gonna do this so here's an issue that we have right now I think we all want to end it where Saren realizes he's no longer in control. Yeah. And he, like, ends his mm-hmm. own life to, like, regain yeah. some control over himself. The only problem is a lot of shit happens between him shooting Nihilus and him sure shooting does. himself. Mm. And we've established Nihilus as a huge character who is probably going to be driving a lot of the action in this movie. And if we kill him in the middle of it, who's left? Shepard? And Shepard's friends? How many different story beats? Like, at that point, it's just like you... At that point, it's like, well, you know, he's irredeemable. And mm-hmm. and what you're developing from the halfway point of the movie on is, like, you're developing him from just being irredeemably shit to, oh, no, he's just fucking crazy. And so it's just, like, I think what you're showcasing then is, like, the major story beats with Saren in Mass Effect 1... And then just like as he's going, because like he kind of gets progressively less logically like calculated. Yeah. Like it's clear that this is no longer Saren's Saren's plan, and so mm-hmm. so you're watching him devolve like a, like a sort of a Avatar: the Last Airbender Azula sort of deal, where he he's like going crazy, and then you know it ends with obviously him him regaining that control. How long do we want to watch that though? How long is that story <laughs> gonna be interesting? Yeah. Because like I think the interesting thing is him being coerced slowly by this mysterious force and, like, the his, like, contempt for the people who, like, kind of ruined his life and killed his family sort of playing into that. But then also him, like, being stuck between, like, wanting to give in to this thing and then also his best friend. I think that's, like, the interesting stuff, and I think that should take up the majority of the movie. I just... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, like 45 minutes of him just doing the stuff he does in Mass Effect where he just slowly goes crazy yeah, is less interesting because it's just like, well, we know where this is going to go. He's either going to let these things in mm. or he's going to fail and be stopped by a character we don't know. That's true, and I feel like it. it is less interesting to just watch a character lose their mind because there's like no 
there's like no choice that's like yeah, you don't like, choose to lose your mind it's just something that happens to you involuntarily so it's not like we're like yeah we wouldn't be like watching him make these horrible choices we would just be like oh he's not well and this is something that like a not well person does yeah it's like we're now watching what the reaper is doing through him yeah which is like he can't do anything about that i think the last thing that happens in this movie is he shoots nihilus maybe that's the at that is the point where he has finally made the decision to go all in on this reaper stuff slash he's been he's been too far indoctrinated to go back at this point so i actually i kind of agree i don't think it should be the very very end of the movie i think it should be like the final third uh it should be like two-thirds of the movie the two-third mark he kills him um instead of then watching him completely devolve the the, i guess what we should do is like in that montage of him like continually going back um you're at in that montage of him the more he is interacting with with uh this fucking reaper we are that is when we're watching him devolve without him realizing he's devolving yeah. and at that point he's still able to hide and it. like and like making mm-hmm. choices yes he's like presented with choices he the whole thing is he's got to be presented with these choices and we need some kind of conflict to kind of be a through thread of all this because which i think we can just make like some kind of yeah. important mission that is involved in sovereign somehow yes um, but like mm-hmm. he is making a series of choices and by the time we get to the last third and he shoots nihilus he has made the final choice and has fully well, become indoctrinated to the point I- where he can't go back well, that's the thing. Is like I think at that point it's just he he's already fighting the voice of Saren, like fighting like the, the last the last bit of him that is remaining to keep him from shooting Nihilus loses out to the voice of Saren, and then he shoots him. Yeah. And then it, then you hear the fucking Reaper. Um, yeah. Or or but, you even just hear the voice in his head where it's like like it's like, like Sovereign yeah. just says We've like got, shoot him. Yeah, he's we got fucking work shoot to him. do. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's like a, a good way to sort of establish like that he is changing and that these mm-hmm. decisions might not all be fueled by him is like in in between like cutting of him, like interacting with Saren. It's just like he's still going on a mission with he's going on missions with Nihilus because they're already specters at this point. They're probably starting to investigate this shit um, yeah. I like think low that key should be before Shepard gets involved. The mission like, should yeah, be they're... some like some weird Geth stuff is happening in yeah. Geth space. They're like Pre- encroaching on like yeah. They're like encroaching on colonies and people mm-hmm. are like, hey, what's? Yeah. You guys are specters. You know what? You know what? Go go check that out. I feel like most of what he does in the in the game, so you can cut that shit out. You can literally just the he tries like... like three separate times to make an unstoppable army. We don't have to focus on all. <laughs> of them. Yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah. When he's talking to Nihilus before he kills him, obviously. That discussion is going to be a really long one. You mm-hmm. can do exposition into what his plan is, and he's like, okay, we've got work yeah. to do. I shoot you in the head. And then he does his final attempt where Shepard finally catches up to him. And then why do we care about Shepard? That's the real question. Why does Shepard's words hold any weight to this guy? To they us? don't. That's the thing. They, they don't. don't. It's yeah. just, oh, okay. Shepard is literally just playing on his, like, his his adoration for his fucking inspector partner mm-hmm. and then like could, he probably what you probably hold is rage towards shepherd could we do at all could we do one of those like cheese we don't have to do this we could <laughs> we could do one of those cheesy movie mm-hmm. things where it's like 
uh, Shepard is talking, and because Saren is losing his mind, he imagines that it's Nihilus talking to him, when it's actually just Shepard, like... Annika, <laughs> you're a genius. <laughs> just I actually think that's great, because that's great and kind of huge, because, like, that kind of sort of gives Saren, like, a very last-minute sort of empathy kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, he's he sees this person that he reviles, he thinks is horrible because they're a specter and they're a human and he hates that. But they're making these points to him and they're, like, appealing to his, like, sense of, like, original being. Mm-hmm. And he, like, for just a second, just, like, sees them as Nihilus and sees so... them as, like, speaking as Nihilus. And he's like, oh my god, you're right, I'm not even in control of my actions anymore. So... Mm-hmm taking it even like a step further it's like since mm-hmm. we've been doing so much flashing back at you like throughout the movie and it's like we're his his past it's like as Shepard is talking at one point in the movie there could be a scene where Nihilus specifically discusses Saren fondly with to Shepard oh. and he says the fucking line of like well he's ruthless but that's not all who all of who he is when Shepard says that shit to him in the final scene this motherfucker can't stop himself from like flashing back like Mm-hmm. between all these different moments that meant something yes, to him yes. with Saren, and mm-hmm. that's what finally causes him to be like, all right, I have to make this decision. I'm going to kill myself. We're done. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I think we've got some good shit here. We've got great beginning, very powerful climax, very powerful ending. Yeah. We need connective tissue. And I think I, I have a, a suggestion, or just like a, maybe something. Um... The connective tissue, I think, should be just a mission to... It's like a... I was just thinking, like, it has to lead to Sovereign, and it has to have both Nihilus and Saren as partners on this mission so that they can be around each other for this character development. I think maybe one of the things, this mission that they're doing is they're, like, in Geth space tracking these geth movements because there have been some like strange readings or something from there that the geth have some kind of super weapon and so they're trying to figure out what it is yeah i mean honestly it's like the mission could be much the same as how shepherd first because it's like isn't it that the saren also sees something similar to shepherd from the one of the relays like that's that's the whole thing no uh yeah i think i think that's part of it i think that can yeah. be part of it i think mm-hmm. like so it's like yeah his whole like his his mission with uh nihilus could literally just be the mission like essentially the shepherd is going on it's like Mm -hmm. it in 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 doing that you could actually parallel this is like a little like oh for people to play the game his experience then would further parallel shepherd and it's like where he sees a he like comes across this like prothean beacon and then he's like given this information yeah the sovereign somehow and it yeah, and it's like, and then that sort of creates this idea that it's like, well, they're kind of not super different. It's just like the point at which they diverged, yeah. and Saren became fucking crazy. Um, so it's just like well, literally, Saren yeah, spent he, like a long time on a Reaper who warped his yeah. mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I feel like that—that's like that is the easiest reasoning because that just gives you the most source material to work for. Because yeah. like that's literally exactly what they do. And then eventually, somewhere. Shepard is introduced in in concept, not like as a character, but like 
it's brought up somehow in some kind of conversation between Saren and Nihilus. Mm-hmm. Well, that, like, I... Th- oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, it's like, I feel like because of Shepard's record, at one point, Nihilus could bring up, like, oh, I think they'd make a great Spectre. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously Saren gets mad. And then the other time is, like, when when Saren is gone doing his Reaper shit, mm-hmm. uh, Nihilus is talking to Shepard about Saren before they actually officially meet Saren, before Shepard actually ever physically meets Saren. Yeah. And that's where he gets, like, that backstory to, like, parrot at the end. Mm, and then it, that I also see. establishes, like, more of a point that, like, oh, Saren is mad about about Shepard being in the Spectres and being close to Nihilus, but it's like, well, it's your fault. You were fucking, you were go, you're fucking the Reaper. And that also introduced Shepard as a tertiary character a little yes. earlier mm-hmm. on so that we can kind of yeah. care about them spewing yeah. their nonsense at Saren at the very end. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's Well, that's where Shepard learns the words to, you know, mm-hmm. that's what he so, thinks to say to him, yeah. So maybe, like, the trail goes cold on this mission, like... Sovereign disappears, the Geth retreat back into deep Geth's face. The trail goes cold. Both of them are taken off the mission. They're like, all right, mission's over. You guys will tell you when we have a new assignment for you. Yeah. Saren then... goes back to the planet where the beacon was, starts doing stuff with that. I think there should be, like, there will be hints and clues that Sovereign is, like, worming its way into his mind a little bit. Maybe there's even, like, weird stuff that happens when Nihilus isn't there, or when Saren thinks Nihilus isn't looking. Like, maybe there's, like, a confrontation with some Geth, and Saren is, like, ambushed and alone, and the Geth are surrounding him. Yeah. And then, like, they all put their guns down, and, like, back away from him. Yes. And he's like, hey, what the hell are you doing? And then one of them speaks, like, English. Oh, dude. And says, like fucking not even what if it's just like they put their guns down mm-hmm. and Saren just looks and then he just shoots them all just dead ass shoots them all mm, like d- yeah. does not mm. like dying for a second he's uh, like we're he done. doesn't and question go- it he just like shoots them all yeah and then he goes back mm-hmm. to nihilus and it's just like haha fucking yeah tough battle and i was like how yep, the fuck do you yep. make it out of that shit mm-hmm. guys are we great writers or what like this <laughs> fucking i love slaps. i love the the power drunkness you feel this is what it feels like to write on game reel yeah this is what we do every fucking rules two weeks i was like guys i think we might be geniuses like not to be like you should have been there on our kirby episode that was truly a masterpiece yes it was and that's why we always say like if you are the head of warner brothers (laughs) and you're listening to this hit us up up. super smart Hell yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Recap time. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. We start on a scene of a young Turian being scolded by a bunch of holograms of council members from the Citadel Council. They are scolding him for being too reckless, going against orders, and being generally messy in his execution of a mission, though very quick in his execution of the mission. They mention how young he is, and that they hope that they are not making a mistake by making him a specter at this age. After the briefing, uh, a another Turian steps up to him and tells him that they're completely wrong, he did what needed to be done, and that they think he is a brutal monster, but that's not all of him. That's only part of him. This resonates with Saren. 
and Saren and Nihilus become fast friends. We skip forward a few more years. Nihilus is now a specter, and Saren and Nihilus are both going on missions together. They have been assigned this mission to investigate this mysterious, uh, these mysterious readings that they've gotten from Geth space. There's apparently there are rumors of some kind of Geth super weapon, and rumors that the Geth have unearthed an ancient Prothean artifact that is very important to be studied and hopefully uh, doesn't fall into the Geth hands. So, Saren and Nihilus have been assigned to go fly out there together and to check it out. So they do. They fly out there, they land on this planet, they, you know, meet a few Geth on the way, they shoot them, uh, and they come across this giant Prothean artifact. And as Nihilus steps forward to it, he gets like, he starts becoming like sucked into it. And before he can fully get sucked up into its like crazy laser beams, Saren tackles him out of the way and is sucked into the device himself. He is shown insane, disturbing visions with uh, incomprehensible noises and language all culminating in one final image of a strange, metallic, purple, squid-shaped spaceship and the name Sovereign. He comes to eventually on his ship with Nihilus, Nihilus saying, hey, something happened to you. What happened to you out there? And he was like, oh, I don't know. That crazy Turian technology, or the uh, Prothean technology kind of just like grabbed me and threw me around. Uh, nothing happened. Nihilus knows he's lying, but there is not time for that. They get new intel that says a Turian fleet that was in in a uh, in space near them uh, was totally wiped out by a single Geth ship. They think that's not possible. The Geth aren't that advanced, and so they're told to go check it out. So they zoom over and they find this wrecked Turian fleet. All the while, Saren is experiencing more strange auditory hallucinations. He's having strange dreams, um, all with this 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 word sovereign and these visions of this strange metallic creature, this strange ship. They end up chasing this trail for a while, chasing this this strange these strange happenings that have to do with the Geth and this mysterious ship. All the while, uh, Nihilus becomes more and more suspicious of Saren as Saren is acting stranger and is withholding information from him. They eventually find a a ruin of like a colony or something where people actually got there were there were images captured of the Geth ship. Saren recognizes these images. These images are of this ship, this thing that is it's 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 like name he knows for some reason is sovereign. Eventually the trail goes cold and the ship is gone. The geth have disappeared, the ship has disappeared. There's no trace of it at all besides all the destruction that was left in its wake. Saren and Nihilus are both recalled from the mission, put on hold for later should new missions arise. Uh, some time passes. Nihilus and Saren are doing their own things. Saren has been in secret going back to that beacon and sort of investigating it and trying to see, trying to get it to give him any more information. It eventually comes to Saren's attention that the humans, 
are nominating a candidate to become a the first ever human specter. And Saren's not a fan of this because his his brother was killed in a war between humans and Turians back when humans were first becoming part of the larger galaxy. And he's never been fond of humans, how they do things, how how they try to how they're the newest in this galaxy, yet they still act like they run it. The idea of a human specter doesn't sit well with him. And it sits even less well with him when he finds out that Nihilus is slated to be this human's mentor. This drives even more of a wedge between Nihilus and Saren. There had already been one with Saren acting strange and not being completely transparent with him, but now this has made Saren cut, up, cut himself off from Nihilus in a big way. He goes back to that beacon one more time, and this time he gets a response. Something reaches out to him and introduces itself as Sovereign, and says it can help him put the humans in their place. He decides to get on board with this, and eventually is brought to a part of space where the ship Sovereign sits undetected. He's put in command of this giant ship, manned by Geth almost exclusively, and it is revealed to him what Sovereign is. His first mission is to go to a human colony named Eden Prime and recover a beacon and gather information from that beacon. There is crucial information for this mission that will help put the humans in their place. Uh, Saren agrees and he goes on this mission. He feels like strange influence come over him as he is in the ship. The voices are louder and he is more and more unsure of his own actions. He seems to be taking a lot of orders from this ship. He gets to Eden Prime. The Geth are there. They are killing humans. They're subjugating this colony. They're turning humans into husks. He is surprisingly at peace with what is going on here until he runs into his old mentee, his old friend, Nihilus. Nihilus is surprised to see him there. He lets slip that he is on a mission with Shepard right now and that they're looking into what's happening on this colony, why the Geth are here, why they're killing people, what's going on. Saren waits for a moment where Nihilus is unawares and he hears voices in his mind. He hears voices in his mind saying, shoot him. He's in the way. He's jeopardizing the mission. He's seeing all kinds of strange, twisted, mechanical visions. And before he knows it, he has pulled his pistol on Nihilus and shot him in the back of the head. Once that happens, he attempts to get the information from the beacon, but by the time he gets there, he sees that it has been destroyed and Shepard has disappeared. A minor setback, he gets back on the ship. He is now put into motion events that cannot be rolled back. We, we see a bunch of different conquests. They are each more cruel and unusual than the last. Most of them foiled, most some of them succeeding. It all culminates in eventually him and Sovereign being transported into the Citadel, the big capital of the galaxy, where he is about to repurpose the Citadel as a, a Reaper mass relay that 
transports all the Reapers here and allows them to wash across the galaxy like wildfire and destroy all organic life. Before he is able to do this, Shepard appeals to him. Shepard calls out and tells him that he is not a bad person, he is just under the influence of the Reapers. And then he says the words that Nihilus said to him so long ago. This is not all of you. This is only a part of you. Saren, mind completely twisted and infested with implants and mechanical orders, he, for a moment, while Shepard is saying this to him, sees Nihilus instead saying this to him. And he realizes now that his actions have not been his own and that he is not in control of his own mind and his, he has been warped as a Reaper tool. He thanks Shepard for his words, apologizes for his actions before taking his own life. And then we cut the black. And yeah, that's the movie. We did it. We did it. Gosh, we, might be geni- we might be geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> God, in the nick of time, too, my phone was like, girl was chugging. I was like, what's up? And it's like, we're on 3%. I'm like, oh, hey, oh. plug your phone in because we're not done yet. I know we're not done Very yet, good. but I'm really yeah, close. Got- yeah. Yeah. Mm, all right. Give me, um, a, give me a half sec. We got- anyway, continue your spiel. Yeah, yeah we're, this is just the wrap-up now. Mm-hmm. Um... Mm, 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 mm. We don't have any fan pitches. If you have an idea for a video game movie and you want to just throw a pitch at us, email us at gamerealcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at gamereal3. Big thanks to Chris Kirk for our theme song. Uh, his Twitter is at composerkirk and his bandcamp is composerkirk.bandcamp.com. That's Kirk spelled K I R K. We also want to thank Britt Soderjurna for our album art. And if you'd like to follow her on Twitter, her at is at Artzoid, spelled A-R-T-Z-0-I-D. Christina's phone then proceeded to die before she could do any of her plugs. So I'm here from the future to do them instead. Follow Christina on Instagram and Twitter. Her at is Inkdem, spelled I-N-K-D-E-M. Well, thank you for listening. I've been your host, Cassidy. I've been Annika. Uh, Thanks for listening. Good night.